welcome to my podcast, Where the Dark Corners Are. Dark Travels hostess. Tonight, we're going to crack open our passports and head to New South Wales, Australia. And we will be heading for the Monte Cristo Homestead, a house considered by many to be the most haunted house in all of Australia. But before we discuss the Monte Cristo, let's discuss the man who would eventually build this Victorian colonial two-story home, Christopher William Frawley. Born in 1841 in Sydney, New South Wales, Australia, I actually couldn't find any definite birth date date, just the year and location, but he was born to William Augustus Crawley and Ellen Redden Hilton. His only sibling was a brother, a William Augustus Crawley, probably junior, Later in life, he would meet and marry Elizabeth Lydia Carr. Elizabeth herself was born on July 10th, 1842 in Kelso, New South Wales, Australia. I was not able to find any additional information regarding her parents or any other immediate family. Either way, she and Christopher get married on September 2nd, 1862 in Tumut, New South Wales, Australia. Together, they would go on to have seven children. We're talking Helen Ann Lillian, Aubrey Clarence, Lydia Blanche, Florence Agnes, Florence Agley, and Angela Christina. Basically, sounds like they would go on to have seven daughters. Goddamn. Either way, as a means to support his wife and family, Christopher, who was a farmer, owned two parcels of land in the town of Juni, New South Wales. Side note, Juni is an Aboriginal word meaning speak to me. Like many young couples starting out, the first few years were a bit of a struggle. They initially lived in what has been described as a slab hut, and Christopher had trouble feeding his family. Though through hard work and dedication, The family goes from living in this slab home to a small brick cottage in 1876. But, overall, the Crawley family's plight will change in 1878, when the Great Southern Railroad Lane opened up and was destined to go through Juni, heading towards Albury and Melbourne. Thinking ahead, Christopher would scrape all the money he could, and he would buy a license to build a hotel located directly across from where the railroad station will be. This hotel would be named the Railway Hotel. Needless to say, with the arrival of the train and the influx of travelers, this boosted the local town economy and agricultural trade. And Crawley makes a fortune. 
to the point where he is even considered as one of the town's founders. And as such, he and his wife are known to make large donations as a reflection of his civic sense of responsibility. In 1884, Crawley sells this hotel and uses the funds to build this estate, which includes the Monte Cristo homestead. Now, the homestead actually consists of two houses, again, one being the little brick cottage that was built in 1876 and will eventually become the servants' quarters that include a kitchen and a dairy. But the second house is a Victorian two-story colonial-era building we now call the Monte Cristo home. And as part of the revamping, the original slab hut will be demolished and turned into a big stable for Christopher's prize horses. Today, the Smallbrook Cottage, also referred to as the original homestead, still exists. Either way, thanks to the fortune Crawley made, he becomes, at this point in time, what is considered a leisurely farmer or a gentleman farmer, basically a term for a wealthy man who owns farms for pleasure or for personal satisfaction. So in other words, he kind of doesn't really have to do a whole lot. Now, for however much Christopher seemed to be generous and kind, Elizabeth, the wife, was a completely different story. Elizabeth has been described as hateful. It has been said that she was basically known to be cruel and harsh and ruled the house and the staff in it with an iron fist. On December 14, 1910, Christopher dies. He dies from a combination of heart failure and blood poisoning. Now, part of his medical issues is actually caused by a carbuncle, a boil, on his neck that got infected from rubbing against his starched collars. And being Catholic, a staunch Catholic, she converts the attic into a chapel and basically delves herself into the Bible, studying the Bible, reading the Bible, praying the Bible every day. And it has been said that in her remaining 23 years of life, she only leaves Monte Cristo twice. And at the ripe age of 92, she dies from a, in a ruptured appendix on August 12th, 1933. So she survives World War I, and she's in the mix of the Great Depression, but she, no, she doesn't live long enough to see World War II. Now, slowly but surely, the rest of the family members leave the home, and by 1948, at the end of World War II, all of the Crawley family members have left the home and the house would remain empty for more than a decade. Now, they do arrange for caretakers, and they actually hire a lot over the years. But unfortunately, this didn't prevent the place from being vandalized. And to top it off, the original furnishings were taken out of the house and sold. Now, one of the caretakers is a hired man by the name of Jack Simpson. Now, the records are a bit sketchy. But Jack gets shot to death either in 1960 or 1961 by a young man having watched Alfred Hitchcock's movie Psycho three times. After he does this, this obviously mentally unstable man makes his way to the Monte Cristo homestead, knocks on the door, and when Jack answers, he shoots Jack right there on the porch. And then at some time or some part of this crime, the man takes the time to carve the words, Die Jack, ha ha, into the shed door where these words 
these words carved into the wood, can still be seen. Then, a few short years after the death of Jack, the house falls, basically dilapidated, and gets sold in 1963 to Reginald and Olive Ryan. The Ryans roll up their sleeves and restore the homestead back to its original state and convert the homestead into a few museums, one of them being a doll museum. And they also have an antique store as well. However, once the Ryan family moved into the homestead, they immediately noticed something strange was going on. Now, over time, they would come to believe that at least 10 ghosts haunt the homestead. So, who is haunting this place? Well, let's start with the obvious, Mr. Crawley. It is believed that Christopher haunts the room in which he died. However, Mr. Crawley has been seen in other places in the home. And one of the most scariest moments was actually a story shared by their son, Lawrence. At the age of five, Lawrence was in bed while his parents hosted a party in the ballroom. When one of his sisters went to go check up on him to make sure that he was okay, she saw an old man dressed in farmer's clothing sitting at the foot of Lawrence's bed watching him sleep. And when... The ghostly apparition saw the sister peeking in. The ghost turned his head and glared at her. The sister did exactly what I would have done and screamed as loud as she could. Now, this isn't the only incident that Lawrence or the other children saw a man whom they believed to be uh, Christopher Crawley. They would also report seeing a man also, again, wearing farmer's clothing peering into their windows, and the thing about that is the children are on the second floor. The children's rooms would be on the second floor, and there apparently is no balcony for people to stand on at these windows, so basically this farmer's ghost would be floating, peering into their windows at night. But seeing Mr. Crawley's floating apparition is just the tip of the iceberg. After coming home from a shopping supply outing, they had noticed that all of the lights were on when they approached the house. But the kicker was, at the time of this incident, there was actually no electricity connected to the house. So how the electricity was even on was baffling. But as soon as they opened the front door, all the lights quickly shut off. And this was the first of many times that they would come home and find either the lights would be on when they should have been off, or find the lights off when they should have been on. In addition to this, the Ryans would also report hearing footsteps, having a hand on their shoulder, and Mrs. Ryan would also report hearing her name being called when she was completely alone. Now these incidents are actually benign compared to what happened to the Ryans' pets. When they first bought the home, they had a cat and a dog, but both their cat and their dog didn't even want to go into the home. In fact, they eventually both just ran away. And after they ran away, and with good reasons, terrible things happened to the other animals the Ryans had. Apparently, during the Crawleys' time at Monte Cristal, animals were not treated kindly. And this approach from mentality must have rolled over into the afterlife. Because the Ryan animals, the Ryan pets, did not die 
in a most natural way. So, for instance, one time the Ryan family came home during the course of the day and they found their chickens, supposedly secure in a pen, had all been strangled. And such was the case as a parrot that had been choked to death inside its locked cage. And sadly enough, one particular morning, they found a litter of kittens that they had planned to raise in the breakfast room all dead. And, this is disgusting, but they apparently had all been mutilated. So, just absolute true cruelty towards the animals. And speaking of true cruelty, let's talk about Mrs. Crawley. It is known that if she does not like you, that she will try and scare you by making the air around you ice cold. And in addition to this, she's been known to yell at people to basically get out. So she does her get out scenario, her Amityville horror version of get out. But it is also said, because they do believe she does haunt the home as well, that people have heard the sounds of her wailing coming from the chapel that she had closed herself into after the loss of her husband. And it is believed that she walks around the house at night with her footsteps echoing through the halls. In addition to the horrible accidents and the ghost of Mr. and Mrs. Crawley, like I said before, it is believed that at least ten ghosts haunt the homestead. So let's talk about who else is lingering in this place in the afterlife. Apparently, Christopher, good old Christopher, wasn't as faithful as a good Catholic should be, in theory. And he apparently liked to mess around with the staff, the maids in particular. And it is said that he had gotten at least two of them pregnant. One of them committed suicide by jumping to her death from the balcony. She was pregnant at the time that she did this. And when she landed on the stairs below, she was killed instantly. Today, you will find bleached steps leading to the house, and it is believed that these bleached steps are a result of cleaning up her blood. Her ghosts still haunt the veranda, the balcony, and there's a ghostly blood stain where she supposedly landed. Now, there is actually a theory. Just going to toss this out there. There is a theory that Elizabeth Crawley herself was the one who pushed her, killing her and her unborn baby. As for the second maid, she actually survives the pregnancy. She gives birth to a son named Harold. Unfortunately, when Harold was a young boy, he was involved in a terrible accident on the premise. He was actually hit by a driving coach. Now, he does survive the accident, but he suffers from a head trauma, which disables him for life. And after this incident, he begins to act very agitated, and Harold becomes extremely aggressive. Now, to deal with this, there is actually conflicting reports, but he either gets chained up to the back of the dairy or in the coach room for the next 40 years of his life. His mother would come and give him food and leave him water and basically check up on him. But word of his inhumane treatment, his inhumane confinement spreads around, and the local children would come around to see the quote-unquote monster in chains. And as uh, 
little assholes can be, little shits can be. They, of course, mock him. They tease him. They harass him. And because of this, he would scream all day and hiss at the children. After Elizabeth dies, Harold's mom gets left in charge of the estate. And for a very long time, it's just Harold and his mom. And unfortunately, when his mom dies, and again, there's conflicting reports, Harold, who is either chained to the wall or chained to her bed, he is basically trapped there for days with no food or water. So by the time the authorities find him, he is starved and dehydrated. Now, not having any other places to put him, the authorities decide that the best place to take him is to an asylum where he eventually dies. However, in the afterlife, Harold has made his way back to the homestead and now haunts the grounds of Monte Cristo. And you know it's him because he makes his presence known by making the sound of his chains. So you hear the rattling of his chains. Now, in contrast to Harold's mom dying probably what was a natural death on the property, let's talk about the stable boy named Morris. Well, he didn't feel well one day and decided to stay in bed at the coach house. But the stable master, believing that Morris was lying about how sick he was feeling, decided to light Morris's mattress on fire, expecting Morris to jump up and jump out of bed. But Morris was sincerely sick, and he couldn't get off the mattress, even though it was literally on fire. Now, there's a lot of conflicting information surrounding this incident. Like, there's a lot of conflicting information surrounding the homestead. But one of the stories says that Morris died having burned to death on the mattress. Another is that he was actually removed from the mattress, taken to the hospital, and having suffered from three-degree burns on his body, he died at the hospital. Either way, it is believed that Morris still haunts the coach house, and you can hear him screaming. But if you are mega lucky, you can see him walking in and out of the dairy. Now, the tragedy of Monte Cristo isn't just isolated to the staff. In 1917, while coming down the stairs, a maid by the name of Magdalene was carrying the Crawley's infant granddaughter, Ethel. When, as she was descending the stairs, she lost her grip on the baby and hence dropped the baby, and the baby fell down the remaining stairs. Magdalene would swear that she was pushed by unforeseen hands, but she wasn't believed. And others believe that Magdalene acted out an act of revenge due to the cruel treatment and the lack of respect shown by the Crawley family members to the servants, which led to Magdalene going, mm, oh, well, there goes the baby. Either way, today, children who visit the museum tend to become irritable or upset when they approach the stairs, the same stair area. And guests have also reported feeling pushed on their backs as well as feeling cold, tiny hands slip into theirs when they go up the stairs into the upstairs bedrooms. But there were other incidents in the home. Reportedly, a boy fell down the stairs and died. Another woman who was pregnant died while giving birth. 
And thanks to all of these tragic moments, deaths, natural deaths or otherwise on the property, the land is basically just tainted with bad juju. I mean, you, you just can't avoid it. It's like its own cemetery going on there. So today, experiences range from lights turning on and off, guests having a feeling of nausea or a sense of being overcome with a, a str- strong sense of sadness. Some people have been known to faint even on the tours. Uh, in addition to this, people have heard disembodied voices. They've heard phantom noises. And apparently there's an unexplained mist that tends to be present in the home. Orbs are also seen all over, and it is believed that poltergeist activity is alive and well. Now, the Ryan's understanding that there's more going on in the home, besides operating a museum and an antique store, the Ryan's offer tourists the chance to stay the night. Mr. Ryan has been quoted to say, that those who have opted to stay the night in the servants' quarters, sometimes they get the best sleep of their life or no sleep at all. And as for some of the tourists who spent some night's experiences, Mr. Ryan has been quoted saying, some people don't make it through the night and drive into town and stay there. They wake up seeing children or the spirits of the servants. Sadly, Mr. Ryan, Reginald Ryan, died in 2014. But from what I understand, Miss Olive, Mrs. Ryan, is still going strong. The Monte Cristo homestead is still available to visit, having reopened thanks to COVID in September. And you can take tours Monday to Friday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Every Saturday evening till 6 p.m. Located at 1 Homestead Lane, Junie's New South Wales, Australia. Now, I did actually have the opportunity to check out their website because they do actually have an operating website. And it's pretty straightforward. It's pretty awesome. So you can definitely book a tour and, fingers crossed, have an awesome paranormal experience. And the museums are open every day except for, of course, Christmas. So that's it. That is our trip to Junie, New South Wales, Australia. Australia's most haunted house, also known as the Monte Cristo Homestead. All right, on to business. Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. I have a Facebook page. If you are curious or interested and would like to join, send me a request. Check us out. And contest announcement. If you are a serial killer reader, you love reading about this, love reading about serial killers, I am giving away a free copy of Michelle McInerney's book, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, this November. It is actually her account of her coming to understand who she believed was the Golden State Killer here in California. Now, the rules are simple. Simply send me an email regarding your favorite Where the Dark Corners Are episode. Yes, I have done this before. And the reason why I tend to do these contests is because I like to hear feedback. What is interesting in your peak? What do you like hearing about? UFOs, serial killers, all of it, none of it, some of it. That's why I do these contests, to find out. Now, in your email, obviously, you know, let me know which one was your favorite. All emails need to be in by November 18th. The winner will be announced on the 25th of November's episode. 
So please include your address. And I do strongly encourage my international listeners, I am more than happy to send this abroad. But, and, you know, please know that I'm, I don't have the energy to be a stalker, so I will throw all of these entries away. I'm not keeping them. It's just it's for nobody's benefit other than you potentially being a winner. Any questions or concerns, you can send me an email at where the dark corners are at gmail.com. And corners is plural, just so you are aware of that. In the meantime, if you have a place that you would someday like to see where their dark corners are or have a specific haunted house that you would like to hear about, send me an email at where the dark corners are at gmail.com. So until next time, please remember. Only the few can find the beauty in the darkness, which is why I hope to meet you where the dark corners are. <laughs>